okay with Michael McClung. Kiss of Darkness is the winning screenplay. It's a feature film. It's it's a what would you call it? Like a uh, a romantic uh, thriller with a political yeah, kind of. Uh, it's a political thriller, I guess, right? Yeah, with a with an undertone of uh, romance. Undertone of romance, but it would be shopped as a as a political thriller, kind of showing kind of like an analogy of what's some elements of what's happening in the world today, I guess, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, some of the comps we use are, um, you know, Blood Diamond, um, Last King of Scotland, looking at true events in the history of the African continent and the uneasy interaction between Europeans and Africans. So do you, would you consider this a little bit anti-American film? Mm, no more than I think the actions of the Americans in 1960 were anti-American at the time. Gotcha. So then, this is uh, this is uh, 1960. So Eisenhower is still is still president, and then Nick, then okay. Kennedy's coming in in a couple, few months later, I guess. That's correct. So he, yeah. So basically, it's kind of like a it's it's an interesting time in America, right? So they just they went through the Korean War, and they're 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 infiltrating their their kind of like uh, their power into the rest of the world, I guess, right? Yeah, and the Cold War has really just yeah. begun to ramp up. So you've got the space race that occurs, you know, in the latter part of the 50s. And then with the advent of <clears throat> the Russian bomb and the Chinese bomb, the uranium supplies in the Congo become a pivotal focus. Yeah, exactly. So then what, what so is this all kind of true uh, elements of the film? Like it's very based, based on a true story? It's based in true events, yes. So everything, the big picture stuff that happens actually happened. Uh, obviously, it's a it's a fabricated romantic B story. Sure, but people people like it's it's good. It's it it, it actually helps the, the develop the characters too, who like to to know what their motives are and who they are. I guess too, right? Yeah, if you um, the if you stick too closely to only what's known to have happened. You end up having a, a rather thin story that doesn't have any uh, dramatic interest, except for the larger historical narrative. So, yes, the uh, first democratically elected president is eventually kidnapped and murdered by the CIA and the uh, Belgian special forces. And in his stead, his lieutenant, uh, Joseph Mobutu, takes over and then proceeds to rule the country for decades and basically looted billions of dollars into his personal wealth as opposed to supporting the Congolese people. So that choice of them murdering the, the CA in the Belgium murdering that person was a bad choice in hindsight, I guess. It didn't work out well for anybody but uh, the guy at the top of the pile and for American strategic interests, but for the millions of ordinary people living in the different areas of the Congo, it did not work out well at all. But it was short-term American interests, right? Like it was a short-term kind of like they weren't seeing the big picture, I guess. Well, they were seeing uh, strategic uh, political considerations above um, sort of a broader democratic development of Central Africa. So the, one of the issues is that, not the issues, but like Amer the American journalists kind of like should be the ombudsman of what Americans do, I guess, in a sense especially during this time, but this is the thing that nobody knows about this. Americans don't, if you think about the history of 1960, they're going to talk about Kennedy. They're going to talk about the Cold War, as you described, the space race. 
kind of like dare I say sexy kind of stories like interesting stories not this like in the vines kind of like issues with like Africa like Latin America which is later like they nobody kind of document the journalists don't document these stories there there have been one or two short documentaries sure <laughs> I think he did one. Um, I forget one of the European channels did one as well. A couple of uh, academic books about it, but it really is not. Uh, there is no popular treatment of this particular crisis. And so, like, if it's not taught in school either, I should also mention, right? So, uh, not unless you are doing a very deep dive yeah. into American involvement in the African continent. If you're a history major in university, perhaps it will get it will get delved into, I guess, right? Yeah. So yeah, so then, so generally speaking, then then the, it's left left to storytelling and movies and like you said to kind of tell these stories. I think that's what happens, I guess. Yeah, and I tried to find a, a framework of individual drama and the the connection between these three characters essentially form a dysfunctional love triangle as a way to experience the actuality of a country in crisis. Yeah, 100%. So the question is, is that how did you kind of get involved in this story? Why did you, what was your motivation? It seems like a lot of research, a lot of time, a lot of effort. Uh, I'm an avid reader of history. Um, almost, I came this close to a history degree, but wound up uh, have, having needing fewer credits to graduate with a one in economics, if, of all things. Um, but all of my work is generally based on a, um, a story from history, whether directly or inspired by. Uh, the movie we had out that uh, premiered in February with um, it, um, Jonathan Reese Meyers' uh, Ambush set in the early, early days of the Vietnam War in the mountains. Uh, my movie American Martyr uh, was inspired by the Joan of Arc story, but re reset in a divided America. So uh, it's this kind of material that really fascinates me, finding those stories that, as you rightly point out, aren't taught, aren't explored, haven't been given a, tr a popular treatment that allows people to engage with them. That's just my passion. So you did you you started off as a as a novelist, correct? I started off as a playwright, actually. As a playwright, okay. Yep. And but you are a published no, novelist, correct? Uh, no, I I have rights to a couple of novels that I have treatments for. Okay. Maybe that we crossed wires somewhere in our uh, paperwork. No, no, it's 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 totally fine. Just that there. Uh, so basically, but you're but then so you started as a playwright, and then yep. and then so you got. Um, some some plays produced was it kind of like like kind of like this kind of tone like political kind of uh, uh, plays? Yeah, I, well, I think the stage gives you a um, uh, an invitation to be more interpretive than representational, as you know, film tends to tends to enjoy less interpretive work. Um, so yeah, my um, my stage work has also handled. Uh, episodes in history, but in a much less uh, matter of fact way. So uh, the one that was performed off Broadway is a um, it's a mad uh, ride through neon and railroad stops 
and diners in the heart of America with um, basically modern day Tom Sawyer kidnapping Albert Einstein in search of his wife. <laughs> okay, gotcha. So a that's little, that's a good play right there. That's a little a, that's, a, out there. that's the kind of play yeah. you want to you want to watch. That, that it's it's good for that medium, right? That kind of that kind of story. But but really diving into that moment in history. Sure. So it's somatically, just, yeah. But it's like you're telling a kind of like a, a kind of fantasy uh kind of uh tone with like, but then there's like real life thematics, I guess, happening within that yeah. thematic that, that yeah, so it works for the play. Yeah. So tell us about uh so in Bush, you said you just you referenced it before. Uh yep. um John Threeth Myers, Aaron Aaron Arcard yep. is in it. So that's like that's out now. Where where can people watch that now? Uh, it was in theaters uh, in February. Obviously, it's it's probably not circulating in theaters, but uh, you'll find it on most major streamers. It's uh, it's a um, a really interesting take on the early days of Vietnam and the vast network of tunnels that had actually been started by the Viet Minh in their um, fight against the French, and then proceeded on to um, be used during the fight with the Americans by the Viet Cong. And uh, I take the position of introducing engineers who were building a forward base and wind up being the only people left after a surprise attack who have to engage the enemy in these tunnels. And they're basically like, I, I'm here to build stuff. I, I, I'm not a, a warrior, but they have to rise to the occasion. Gotcha. Yeah, the, the reluctant hero, I guess, in a sense, right? right? And discovering what they're truly capable of. So yeah. are you the original writer of the of the script? Yeah. And then you got rewritten by the director and a couple other people? Yeah, so we're in production um, during COVID down in Columbia. And getting back and forth to have people on set was just impossible. Mm -hmm. So whoever, I mean, there were a couple of, uh, I think the casting director uh, gets a writing credit. So it was a... Um, Many hands make light work. I never heard that before. The casting director getting a writing credit. <laughs> How did he figure that one out? Uh, he was on set and it was uh, anybody who could do anything, given the constraints of getting moving people around with all the, the pandemic restrictions. Yeah. So you're, you're kind of in an interesting time now in terms of uh, feature films, right? Like it's like. Yeah. It's like it's either the it's either the, the great blockbuster or it goes in a streaming service. There seems to be nothing in between. Yeah, well, I think the industry is still trying to figure out its distribution models. Yeah, um, I will say that the, both Ambush and the uh, Nick Cage movie that I was a producer on, uh, lots of the funding came from overseas markets where there's still a reasonable uh, distribution model. Industries figuring out the domestic model. Um, I do think thematically there appears to be finally some um, comic book movie fatigue. So we're seeing some more openings for films like Oppenheimer to really you know, look at a moment in history through an intensely personal journey yeah. that, that work without uh, having... Um, robots exploding uh, flying through space that said it's uh <laughs> it's a christopher nolan who's got the fan base of a comic book movie and your your co-star yeah. aaron huckart was in one of them right yeah. so yeah fair enough 
Yeah. <laughs> so it come kind of like come like so that's what got Oppenheimer the money because they they he has a devoted fan base, right? So that's what it, it takes sometimes, right? It does. It is uh it's every movie is an interesting dance about how to get it fu- funded. Yeah, exactly. And so you was it the Red movie you're referencing that you were the executive producer, that's Dog Eat Dog. Dog Eat Dog, uh Nick Cage, Willem Dafoe, um uh some some really fun scenes i gotta what? ask about mr schrader mr taxi driver uh writer yeah. he directed the film what's what's he your experience the film he had a um um he's a great guy not a lot of patience with producers so sure. uh i just went and did my part of the job and let him do his part of the job but he but, but you're the you're a right as you know that you're a writer as well or yeah, we talked about that. My my good friend Matthew Wilder's the uh, principal credit writer on that. Yeah. So with any any stories, any Schrader's stories, like I'm just um, I'm a little bit biased because like Taxi Driver was like it's probably one of my favorite films. So I'll tell you that uh, end of Doggy Dog was not necessarily an improvisation, but a real strong take on Schrader's part that doesn't exist in the original Eddie Bunker novel, wasn't in the original script. He really decided where to take the ending of that that, uh, that film. And I, I urge anyone to check it out. Okay. I, that was a very diplomatic answer there. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> you could read and see the lines of that answer right there. So, um, you know, it's, it's got its appeal. Yeah. It's a, it's that's that's movie making. You know that, right? Like it's there's there's a lot of hand. There's a lot of what do you call it? There's a lot of a uh, lot of hands in the cookie jar, I guess. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> and he's the he's the director and he kind of like, you know, he's got he's got a ba- he's got a backing of experience. So he can kind of do yeah. do what he wants in a sense. And a really I mean, I, I admire such a strong vision for the ending. I, I never saw that coming. Yeah. And then, and then Nick, Dick Cage and Defoe, obviously, uh, two 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 legendary kind of uh, uh, actors in their own right, I guess. Yeah, right, Christopher Cook too. Uh, uh, some really powerful performances in there. It's a great story uh, from the legendary crime writer Eddie Bunker. Uh, we were able to get the rights uh, through his estate to this story, and you know, moved it. The original's written in uh, L.A moved it to Cleveland because we had a wonderful financing uh, assistance from the state of Ohio. Oh, but wow. That's, that's good to hear. Essentially telling the same story. Yeah. Well, Cleveland's a good, that's a better, it's, I love Cleveland. I, I'm from Niagara Falls originally. So oh, I, I went to Cleveland to baseball games all the time when there was like 2000 yeah. people in the, in the stand. So it's got some real grit to it. That's just, uh, you can't, you can't buy that kind of of authenticity. Yeah, hundred percent. And it's like nobody's. It, it seems like nobody's there. The 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 locations haven't been used, overused. I guess. Right. Yeah. Like they are in, like say, Toronto or Los Angeles and New York, right? Right. You've seen the same street corner in seventeen films. In seventeen films. That and in, in, in Toronto's case, it's trying. It's always another trying to be another city, but it's not. Yeah. So. <laughs> exactly. So then, then this particular script, uh, like, so you got some, are, there, has it been, got some feelers out there in terms of, uh, yeah. I know it's like, it's, it's a probably pretty sizable budget, but uh, you do have experience. Is there any feelers for you? 
there had been. I mean, obviously, we're now in a strange place, uh, waiting to see exactly what happens with the the different guilds. Um, but yeah, there had been some interest uh, right when Ambush came out. Came out, I was able to uh, get some meetings with Kiss of Darkness, and hopefully, when all this is resolved, we'll pick up where we started. And so, in terms of like, do you want to film there? Ideally, would you like want to film? in 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 the congo i think you'd probably end up finding somewhere um closer and easier to work with possibly in south america gotcha or eastern europe logistics even today logistics in the congo are very very difficult yeah in terms of the crew and everything like that i guess right so they like a Vietnam. Yeah, the Vietnam movie. Don't they? They always like. Don't they always film the Vietnam movies in the Philippines? Isn't that like the, that the was, place to go? That, this one was done in Colombia. Oh, was it? So, yeah. you, so you got connections in South America, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, because yeah, you, you mentioned that before. So basically, so so then that sort of like what is that the backing you get? You get the backing from South America uh, people, or uh, we get some help in terms of organizing crew. Um, and then the you know the backing is just going to have to come from wherever it comes. That's right. But is there good? There's good crew in South America. I know it's a big yeah. continent. Oh, yeah. uh, would love to go back and work with these folks. They were they were so uh, hardworking, accommodating, uh, good at what they do. Yeah, it was a great experience. So I'm curious, like, so you're still writing, like, you have this experience, but you're still writing these on spec. I guess, I'm assuming, right? Yeah. Especially now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but, <laughs> hey, writers got to write, right? So, yeah. So, yeah. Really I'm speaking of the uh, Cleveland uh, authenticity. I'm working on a piece from uh, the late 80s, early 90s in Boston uh, based on uh, based on some, let's just call it a, a heist film. Gotcha. So, uh, like in, in, in Boston, a Boston yeah. heist film? A Boston heist film, um, yeah, but less the town and more um, uh, the friends of Eddie Coyle. You know, okay. gritty. So gritty. not not polished, I guess. The town is a little bit polished, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's still a good movie. It's just that it is what it is, right? It is what it is. Yeah. So a little little grittier. And so then, so then, so that's the process. It's like so people. You know, they, you you still have to go through the grind. You can't you can't just yeah. go walk go into Paramount and and say I got this idea and they're going to give you money. I guess. Yeah, that you know that happens for some. Yeah, I, I am where I am. But it seems like you've 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 had a good good run, like a good five six year run. Yeah, I've I've had people take interest in my writing, and you know now gradually trying to build from small to medium to medium large budgets medium large yeah it's like a yeah it's like getting a soft drink i guess right <laughs> yes <laughs> we're not we're not up to the uh the jumbo the, the jumbo the, go to the 7-eleven get the, the super that. jumbo right that's when you know you've made it right <laughs> yeah i suppose <laughs> uh but yeah this is probably you're right this is probably 10 to 30 million depending on exactly what happens above the line so, so what motivates you to uh to sim to submit the contest to get feedback? Like what's your motivation there? 
it's actually a good way to uh there there are contests there are contests um but the feedback i've had from some of the good ones has been really instructive this is draft seven of this script and it really started to take shape after getting the attention of a couple of different contests in 2021 and i just i got such phenomenal access to feedback as well as then being able to bounce it off uh, we've created quite a circle of people who've shown up in the same competitions we keep in touch and get together every so often and the ability to share notes among other writers, the ability to get notes back from really qualified readers in some of these contests has been extremely helpful. That's amazing. And so is is there an art to, uh, to knowing what feedback to take and what to kind of dismiss? You know, you know, when someone's found the hole in your script, right? You go, Oh, right. I should really do that. And then there's some stuff you just, you're like, okay, person A said make it make it bigger. Person B said make it smaller. We're not we're not clear exactly which way we're going on that, so I'm not going to touch it. Yeah, and then or there's like they're 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 not talking about your spine. You're not talking about your themes, I guess, right? They're not talking, yeah. really talking about your story. Yeah, but I mean, some of it's very uh, practical, applicable. Um, yeah. You know, I so and so would say i would uh, eliminate the b story that covers this and the other person says i would develop that b story more i'm like okay i'm probably somewhere where i am but if you consistently get feedback that um you spend too long in the second act at this one location and you're right i'm i'm wasting time there i could drop the page count five pages and it's just a tighter story gotcha it's interesting i guess that's like uh i guess you you've been through the like the, the 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 runner a little like a few times so you kind of understand kind of that process about yeah i don't want to um i don't want to um crib that uh you must kill your darlings thing but yeah. you really have to um remember that there are many 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 different ways to tell the story you're talking about yeah so it's it's choosing the ways that stay true to what your vision is but will really connect with the audience. So if that means this whole scene goes, it, it just goes. If it means that um, you drop an entire uh, plot device in exchange for one that's simpler and more organically connected, so be it. And then as someone who's who's been on set and in post-production, it's a whole other process too, right? It's the same yeah. kind of, yeah. Right. This just doesn't work. Or why are we ending here? We need something. We need a tag at the end of this scene to lead us into the next one. Rewrite, rewrite. It works. Sometimes it works great on the page, and then this just the interpretation doesn't work on the film, right? Yeah. yeah. It's a. It's kind of an interesting uh, medium where it's like there's so many interpretations, so many creative people mm-hmm. who are, uh, and sometimes magic happens. I guess, right? Well, you're always looking for the magic. Yeah. And so like, uh, I think who was that? I think John Malkovich was saying like, it's just, there's so, there's too much luck involved into making a great film. Yeah. Which is the same thing. uh, William Goldman was talking about when he said, nobody knows anything. Nobody knows anything. Cause uh, yeah, it's like, uh, I was talking, I was talking to uh, to a history professor at uh, a film history professor at BYU. And he's like, obviously gets into the the weeds of films and he, he really centers on, um, 
the films during the World War II era. It's a previous yeah. podcast, a couple podcasts ago. Oh, cool. And he uh, he basically was saying we were talking about Casablanca. Sure. And in the like like 20 people, 20 writers got on that that yeah. film and Bogart didn't even like he was like his fourth film that year and he was like he wasn't even paying attention and like he thought it was just gonna be a waste of a film and yeah. right. It's like there's like there's all these kind of variables and then they get a um you know a guy who like left like who like who left uh his his country, the the director a decade before because he saw the shit coming, the Nazis coming, right? right? And so yeah. he's got this perspective, right, of the story, and then he just makes gold. And he makes magic out of it, right? Yeah. Oh, there's. Uh, I'll have to go back and uh, take a look at that podcast because that those are some of my favorite movies. To have and have not. Yeah. Uh, Casablanca. Yeah. Uh, even um, uh, Key Largo. Oh, such such great films. Yeah, and then that was during the Hollywood studio system when they had like they would the writers would just pass the scripts to each other, right? Yep. So, yeah, and I think that's the you have to be attached enough to have the passion for it, but detached enough to to work on it, to to operate on it with a with a scalpel, with a blowtorch, whatever it takes. Yeah, exactly. Well, on that note, uh, thank you for thank you for your candor. I really appreciate it. It's like, this is a great script, obviously, and uh, it's a really great like blueprint for for a potential of a great film. And people go check out your other films on Amazon. I can see it's being rented right now on uh, Amazon Prime right now. So uh, I'll take a look at it, and then uh, I love to see the Schrader film because, uh, like I said, he makes interesting hoot. movies. <laughs> Let's put it that way, right? So. It's a all right. Thank you, Matthew. It's a pleasure to meet you. Thanks for everyone for watching, listening, etc. Thank you. One, two, three, four, five.